I hate feeling useless. I don't know if you, any of you can relate. Uh, there are a few things in life that bother me more than feeling like I can't do something or I don't know something or somehow I don't measure up. I, like that to me is one of the worst things I can possibly experience. And, and you know how that feels. Maybe some of you can kind of relate to that when you think of other things that are useless. Like some of you think snow is useless. Snow is amazing. And the fact that it snowed over the last couple oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful out there. Some of you are like, you're a horrible person for saying that. <laughs> but think about it. This was the best kind of snow you can possibly can, can have. It's heavy. It's wet. You can make snowballs out of it, snowmen, snow forts, all that kind of stuff. But it didn't stick to the roads. It's not slushy out or anything. I mean, this is like the best of both worlds. So that's amazing. So snow isn't useless. But I hate feeling useless. There's some things that I don't mind feeling useless for. I'll give you a couple examples, like uh, I can't do your makeup. I'm perfectly cool with being useless uh, with that. I can't shingle your roof, and I'm okay with that. It's not that I can't learn or I haven't done handyman stuff like that, but I hate heights. So I don't want to know how to get on your second story, you know, and, and be able to do that. So that's perfectly fine. I, I don't know how to sew a button back on, like if it pops off, I'm useless for that, and I'm perfectly cool with that. Now, some of you are silently judging me, and that's Okay. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm cool with that. Where, where you think, I mean, how has he gone this far in life without knowing how to put on eyeliner? Or wh- whatever it may be. You know, we kind of do that. We silently judge each other. It's like this person doesn't have knowledge that we had, that we've had all of our life. You know, thinking, man, this guy can't even change the water pump in his car, I bet. You know, we think, oh, you're such a terrible person. You're so useless because you can't, can't do that. Well, I hate that feeling when I'm stuck in that kind of situation. Uh, a lot of people, you know, we're talking about this Misfits uh, series, and we've talked about the island of misfit toys, if you remember them. One of, the, one of the toys on the island was the dolly for Sue. And now some of you remember that I said that she had an existential crisis, but you might not know the details behind what's going on. And nobody else did either when the movie first came out. And they think, look at how, I mean, she's got the pigtails. She's got the picnic tablecloth dress on. I mean, she's so cute. She looks like she'd be an amazing dolly for anyone, even if they weren't named Sue. And yet, in 2007, one of the producers, Arthur Rankin, went on NPR, and he revealed finally to the world what was wrong with the doll. Well, she has psychological issues. Don't. <laughs> People laughed in first service, too. She has self-esteem issues. I mean, the poor doll, her backstory is Sue. Sue's a punk because Sue moved away, and she left Dolly back, you know, at her old house, and so from that point on, Dolly was miserable. She was thinking, oh man, I'm worthless. There's, you know, Sue left me behind, and so I don't have any value anymore. She felt useless, and it's terrible, and yes, we just psychoanalyzed a fake doll. The things that make us feel useless are often things that we get, experiences or feelings or conversations that we have with other people. Sometimes they're internal conversations that we have with ourselves where we say, man, I can't do this or, um, you know, I, I don't have any value here because I don't know this. And yet, all of our value and all of our worth, it doesn't come from other people. It doesn't come from within from us. It comes from our, our Creator. That we have a creator, somebody made that doll for the purpose of being that cute doll, not how she felt about being a doll. And that because of God, we have intrinsic value and purpose in the midst of our feeling useless. That even if we're in the worst spiritual crisis that we could possibly imagine, we feel useless on our own. The story of Jesus coming and being born is that God sends Jesus to give us a purpose that overshadows the most important task 
or purpose that we could possibly imagine. And when we are struck with how the gospel, the good news about Jesus, is meant to permeate our life with this purpose, it begins to change our spirit and change our minds and our thinking from feeling that we're useless to being useful for the purpose God has given us. And so this can be seen in one of the most classic parts of nativity story in Luke chapter 2. And like Adria mentioned, we're going to be taking a look at the shepherds. And I'm just going to start reading that familiar story, possibly as familiar to you, uh, from Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So, man, that makes you kind of warm and fuzzy. You think of the nativity scene that you have at your house. But if you were a first century Jew and Luke was telling you this story and he was saying, yeah, Jesus was born. He was in the manger with Mary and Joseph. And Oh, that's so sweet. And then God had this grand announcement, the first birth, first birth announcement for Jesus. And he went to a group of shepherds in the field and your jaw would have dropped at that moment. Who? God went and told who? Like the birth announcement with the shepherds? Like the guys who constantly smell like a barnyard? Those guys? I mean, the shepherds, like if you're a first century Jew, these, this is what you're thinking. The shepherds, like they're regularly ceremonially unclean according to the law because of their job and what they do. This was the lowest occupation that you could have at this, one of the lowest occupations that you could have at this point in the world. And shepherds, they were the, like they were the ones that God told, like if you were a kid growing up back then, you would not be aspiring to be a shepherd. That was not the occupation that you were dreaming about. Like maybe if you really liked animals and you were good with animals, you would want to be a shepherd, but nobody wanted to be a shepherd. They were kind of the lowest of the low at that moment. If you were going to pick somebody who was going to get the birth announcement of Jesus, it would be somebody like the Pharisees. They were the religious elite at the time. They were the ones who taught everybody how to live out their faith and how they were supposed to relate to God and how they were supposed to interact with their faith on a day-to-day basis. Or maybe you would pick the Sadducees. They were the politically elite for the Jewish people. They were the ones who dealt with all the ruling and all the interplay between the Roman Empire at that point and had leadership over the people. I mean, if you're going to pick people who seemed to be a big deal, that were important, that lived very purposeful, active lives, like those were the important ones. Those are the ones that you would, you would point out and think, like, these are the people that God would use. And yet God used shepherds. 
The irony of all this to me, which I, I think is pretty fascinating, is that as you look through the Bible, through the Old Testament to the New Testament, one of the common themes or ways that God describes leadership and caring for his people don't look like the religious elite or the political elite of the day. He always compares this with shepherds, the lowliest, the people who felt ah, they may have some sort of useful purpose, but they're pretty useless type of people to do that kind of job. And through Moses and the religious, the, the leaders of the Israelite people, from King David to Jesus to even leaders in the church and how they're described, they're always compared with shepherds, the lowliest occupation that you can have. And maybe you can relate a little bit somehow in this scenario. That you think of yourself and you think, man, if there's an important, important announcement that's going to happen in my company or in my family or in my neighborhood or whatever, it's not going to be through me. Like it's people, the important people are not going to come to me at my place of business. Like I'm kind of low on the totem pole. I don't really have any very important responsibilities or anything like that. And yet God chooses to use these type of people, the people who don't expect to be the ones to get it and to give it. And yet the most important narrative of human history are given to misfits like these and misfits like us. We, who were once useless in our sin, have been given the greatest purpose we can have, just like the shepherds, in sharing the good news about Jesus. And hopefully for you, I, I don't know about for you, but for me, like that's a hopeful, encouraging, true statement to know and to live on. But it only tells part of the story when it comes to us being exposed to God's purpose and call on our lives and moving us from our useless feeling of uselessness to his eternal purpose, purposefulness for us. And we see how that works out in the lives of the shepherd. And the first thing is this, that when purpose comes from God in our lives, it, it can be absolutely terrifying. In verse 9, uh, with the shepherds, they were absolutely terrified when the angel showed up. And I think I know why. It's because God has a sense of humor. I mean, you think about it. Every time somebody is approached by an angel, an angel always has to say, do not be afraid. Well, stop surprising everybody like that. You know, like you're scaring people on purpose. You show up in the middle of nowhere at night, the glory of God shown around you. That would freak you out, Right. That would be crazy, so stop scaring people like that, and then you wouldn't have to tell them not to be afraid. If you've ever been your own boss, or if you've ever had any kind of responsibility, you've been a leader in an organization responsible for anything in your life, having a reason for what you do, and then backing up that reason when it's challenged can be terrifying. It can be tough. There can be a lot of obstacles to that when you're trying to live your life in a purposeful way. Months of preparation can come down to a matter of moments that you have no control whatsoever on, and when things don't go as planned, it can be devastating. And it can challenge what you've always thought, what you've always believed in. When we are confronted with the truth of Jesus, and it changes our lives, like that can be a terrifying prospect. It can kind of be like this. Uh, we, uh, my wife and I, uh, Renee, planned this surprise birthday party for our oldest daughter, Nadia, and um, one of us, who, who will rename, remain nameless, uh, lied to Nadia and told her that we were going to Chuck E. Cheese for her birthday party. And we were going to stop by the church building because I need to take care of a, a couple things. And so we get here and we get to the room and we open the door and everybody yells surprise and it's amazing. And I look at Nadia's face 
and it's red. You know, you can tell, like, she's really embarrassed. And then it looks like, oh, that, that's sweet. And then I thought it was great. And, and there were maybe a little bit of tears in her eyes. And, and I went over to her and said, hey, are you okay? Because I was thinking, oh, she was really surprised. She wasn't expecting this. She was embarrassed. And she looked up at me and she said, I thought we were going to Chuck E. Cheese. You know, I was like, my bad. Um, you're bad. Uh, purpose, like when you get yourself built up for how life is going to be, how you think things are going to go, and it doesn't go that way, like it can stink. It can suck. You know, it can be a terrifying thing. But, 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 when it's God-given, it's God-guaranteed. Here's the difference when our ultimate purpose comes from God rather than from ourselves or from someone else or circumstances in our life. The end result and the rate of return on investment have already been calculated. And so our faith isn't predicated on our ability to perform our purpose. It's solidified by a Savior. And as a Christian, as a Christ follower, even the lowest moment of your life, the most painful or the most terrifying moment that you could possibly come up against, that moment is punctuated by the hope and joy of the living Christ. And you and I, in living out God's purpose for our life, are invited to see him when we fulfill that purpose he has for us. See, when God shows up and he scares the shepherds, he he doesn't just say, hey, the Messiah's been born, and that's great, Go, go tell people. He says, hey, and there's also a sign for you, you can go see him right now. He's wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And so with God, that initial purpose that we feel and discover when we start to follow him, it can be terrifying when we come up against things that kind of break away in our life, but it also gives way to hopeful faith because God's purposes can be tried and found to be true in our lives. In verse 15 of that passage, the shepherds actually you know, say, hey, let's, let's go into town and see what we've been told about, and they find Mary, Joseph, and Jesus, which for the record, if you're with a group of people and angels show up, and they talk to you, and they give you a sign. Like, it's probably a good idea to go check that out and make sure that that experience actually happened, and it was true. God gave them the necessary information that they need to live, needed to live out their purpose, and he backed it up. And the only way that you and I can experience the new life that we're called to in and through Jesus is to live the way that's been described and shown us through him. G.K. Chesterton um, wrote this. He said, The Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. And so one of the things for you, just as an encouragement in your life, if you feel like you're in a period of time right now or you have been or you know it's coming at some point in the future where you're not really sure, hey, all right, God, you've kind of given me this promise, but I'm not sure really where it is or where it's showing up, keep hanging on. Keep holding on. Keep living the the new creation life that he's called us to. Go through the checklist and discover and think through, like, hey, am I actually living in the way that God has called me to live? Am I loving my enemies? Am I being a peacemaker? Am I turning the other cheek? Am I putting my treasure in heaven? Am I living a life that produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control? Am I considering others more highly than myself? Like, am I, am I living the way that Jesus did to experience the fact that God's word, when we live it out, will never return to us empty because it's always backed up to him per, by him personally, literally, 
That's the sign is that God came. He sent his son Jesus to live the life that we have lived, to be tempted in the way that, that we have, but to live it perfectly, to show us how to, how to live and also to redeem us as a living sacrifice. And if God's, ever, God's word ever seems empty in your life, and I want to say this as lovingly and filled with hope for, for you from this point forward as possibly as I can, the problem of follow-through isn't on his end because he's faithful and he's guaranteed his promises through Jesus. See, there's a subtle shift in thinking that I, I think we kind of get, get into our minds, and a lot of it's the influence of the culture around us and just kind of where we naturally drift to as human beings, where we think, uh, you know, this is, this is more about self-fulfillment, that if I say, hey, this is the kind of life that I want to lead and this is how I want to live, well, I need to see that, and then I need to start acting in that way. If I, you know, be the change that you want to be. So if I, I start to, if I start to live the, the life that I see ahead of me that I want to live, then that's going to be the thing that gets us there. But see, that's not what God calls us to. God's already created the change through Jesus, and he wants us to trust in that and be who he has purposed us to be. And you'll discover along the way that he personally guarantees it through and sustains us through that with his Holy Spirit. And I just want to let you know, and you take this, however, I, I don't know how much this, this may even be worth uh, to you, and, and, and that's, that's fine. I'm just going to share with you from my personal experience. I would not do what I do if I didn't experience this personally. I mean, there's some, like, from a, a job standpoint, a career standpoint, a life standpoint, I mean, there are like some amazing highs when it comes to being in ministry or being a pastor and interacting with people and seeing life change. And Chip and Adria, they, like they can, they can confirm that, but there are also some pretty amazing, awful lows as well. And that, that's a story from another time, and I can share that, share that with you. But if it wasn't for God consistently showing up and sustaining me in my life and seeing him work in other people's lives in that same way, I'd have burned out a long time ago. See, our purposefulness isn't tied to what we produce. It's tied to who we proclaim. And who we proclaim, I mean, that's going to affect what we produce. But, it, but initially, it's, it's not tied to what, what you and I do. It's tied to who we proclaim and who we have our faith in. Jesus, the Word made flesh. This announcement is life-changing and it's life-giving. And when the shepherds had experienced the presence of the Son of God, the Messiah who was promised and who had come. In verse 17, they went and spread it through the whole town of Bethlehem. And you know, like, this is at night, so they're going around waking people up. So I'm sure they got a bunch of different reactions from a bunch of different people. Like, come on, man, i got to get up and uh, go to my carpentry job in the morning. So could you please stop banging on my door and waking me up? And there are other people that I'm sure would go to the house where Jesus was. And I know you're thinking, in. But I'm saying house, and there's some historical background stuff. You ask me that later, right? We won't get into that now, but we can talk about it some other time, about inns and houses and all that kind of stuff where Jesus actually was. But they went over, and they, maybe they checked them out. Or there are other people that are thinking, yeah, you're crazy, but here's the thing that happened with the shepherds. From that point on, it's not like they stopped their jobs and they never were shepherds at, you know, from that point on. They continued to do the job and have the career that they had. Maybe a couple of them changed after that. But from that point on, they became known as those shepherds. You know what I'm saying? Like, once you wake the entire town up and say, hey, there's a special baby that's born and angels told us, like, you become those shepherds. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, right? 
you become the, the, like those are the guys that woke everybody up. They're the ones that said that Jesus was the Messiah. You remember, you remember those guys? See, God's purpose for them and for us, it completely changes our perspective and it completely changes our perception. It changes people's perception of us. It changes our perception of other people. It changes our perception of our, ourselves. When the shepherds were confronted by what God wanted them to do is share the news of Jesus with the people, like they didn't go through a list of, well, how is this going to affect me career-wise? You know, down the road, how are people going to look at me when, especially Jesus doesn't really turn out to be exactly who everybody thought he was going to be as a Messiah. What are the consequences going to be if, if I change my life based on what God has done? They weren't concerned about that. God said, hey, there's this amazing thing happened. They went and experienced the amazing thing, and then they couldn't help but share it with everyone. It changes how we're defined and how we live our life. It, it changes our perspective from, for example, like you're not a dentist who happens to be a Christian. You're a Christian who happens to be a dentist. You don't have to be a dentist to be a Christian, by the way. I just want to clear that up, clear that up for you. Like it changes how we think about ourselves. You don't remain a lustful person or an angry person or an addicted person. You don't stay and remain and are defined by your sin. You become a redeemed person, a reconciled person, a person who's living in repentance because of what Jesus has done. Yeah, in the midst of the Christmas story, these are lowly, unclean shepherds, but man, they are those shepherds. In your job in your life, in your family, in your neighborhood, in your friendships, may you be known as that employee, as that friend, as that mom or dad, as that spouse, as that neighbor. May you stick out as a misfit for God's purpose in your life. And the craziness of this holiday season, this message of peace and hope and joy, those are what people in your life need to hear and desperately are looking for and want to experience from you. And maybe there's just one person that you can think of out of all those categories that you play a part in your life that you're here and have purpose in, your family, your friends, work, neighbor, hobby, etc., that you can share that hope and peace and joy with them. Consider what it would look like to live with a godly purpose in each facet of your life. See, it's interesting to me to note that these misfits, these lowly shepherds, um, that God's glory shone around about watching the sheep, like they weren't, they weren't even close to being as useless as people kind of felt like they were at that time. They're actually part of one of the most integral religious systems for the Jewish people at that moment. See, just down the road from Jerusalem is Bethlehem, just a few miles down the road. And these shepherds, they're out watching these flocks at night. They're not at pens at night. And so it's very possible because of the census, the whole reason that Mary and Joseph had traveled with Jesus to Bethlehem, that there are a lot of people coming in town. And the reason that there were so many sheep that they weren't in the pens is because there were more people coming into Jerusalem and they were going to be, since they were there, where they were going to make sacrifices. And so it's very possible that a large number of the sheep that were being washed over that night were sacrificial sheep. And so maybe it makes total sense that the first people who would get the birth announcement about Jesus would be shepherds. That the first people would hear about the Messiah, the lamb who would be slain for the sins of the world, would be the people who are watching over the sacrificial lambs and flock. And maybe it makes sense in the way that God likes to work 
in our lives, that he would take the misfits, the lowly, the people who don't feel like they can't count, or maybe other people don't feel like they count, and they would be the ones who would first start spreading the news about Jesus. Because it wasn't just going to be a baby, and he wasn't just going to live his life. He was also going to die on the cross for our sins and be raised again to be a living sacrifice for us. See, the message of the gospel doesn't start with those who are perfect and in power. It starts with the weak who are made strong. It starts with God doing something extraordinary with the ordinary. It starts with us putting aside our own vain ambition or our own ideas of what our purpose should be and living out faithfulness to what God has called us to. It's about exchanging our temporary uselessness for eternal purposefulness in the end which is really only the beginning, will join the shepherds, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Let's pray. God, I just um, in this moment, I want to ask as we live into and live out our faith that you would keep us mindful of the purpose and the value that we have because of you the honor and privilege it is to be able to share the good news about who Jesus is because of what you've done for us. God, help us to see those opportunities, to recognize those uh, in the people in their life, how we can, whatever area we might feel useless in, to live out the purpose that you've given us. Because that's the thing that's going to outlast anything else that we do in this life. In Jesus' name, amen.